0: The Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. Welcome to the Paranet Podcast with your host, me, Patrick Lunn, and... Me, Rob Davis. We have an incredible episode for you guys today. We're going to be tackling deaths in the Dresden Files, spoiler free, as well as um, blood rights chapters 9 10 11 and 12 yeah baby yeah yeah um yeah um yeah it it's going to be it's going to be a great sode. um so it's actually been a little while since me and rob have recorded cuz uh i have uh moved house uh Ooh. so i'm now set up in a new office with an incredible bookcase behind me
1: i think rob can attest to that Man, if it fell on you, you'd die. (laughs) (laughs) Like that is, I know, I know. I mean, that's probably the case with a lot of bookcases, but well, no, maybe not. I think other bookcases would definitely hospitalise you to some degree, but I think that one would just flat (laughs) out. It would be like a cartoon character getting run over. You would just be flat.
0: It would just be the end. Yeah, if you hear, I mean, what
1: what a way to go, you know.
0: Oh, it would be incredible, <laughs> absolutely incredible. <laughs> um, it took, uh, I so there's, I don't know. We're getting into like thousands of comic books and um, books behind me. Um, it took twelve of us to build the bookcases and
1: fill them, and then just me to alphabetize them. Um, it, it, it's quite funny because I I like to think in in my head when I was like wondering how you were going to move all the graphic novels and stuff, and the shelves. In my in my head, they were, they all just stayed where they were, and it took, like, just loads of people just to kind of lift the shelves up. I mean, that would be incredible. Um, I mean, I, I don't think such a being exists, but... <laughs> you <laughs> but would need, it, like, it, four it, people. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just much more amusing in my head to think of it like that. <laughs> um th-
0: like people got hurt moving this
1: <laughs> um, I'm not surprised
0: yeah even i even I was achy afterwards um <laughs> but yes uh so that's that's uh why it's been a little while since we've talked uh but the great thing is now that we're set up in uh this new office um we'll be able to produce uh all our ancillary content um the, the kind of mixed bag content, the uh, RPG content uh, and really go full force. So get on that Patreon. It's in the description. Um, and yeah, uh, get ready for uh, all sorts of content. Our last uh, kind of mixed bag episode was uh, a Goosebumps, uh, give yourself Goosebumps book, uh, which was a lot of fun, actually. Um oh yeah i re- i really enjoyed that so, um and we are we're still kind of at character creation with the dresden files rpg uh but that's going to be winding up soon and then we're going to be getting into the real meat and bones uh of that stuff so lots and lots of really good stuff for you guys okay uh let's crack on with para networking so uh today's para networking um I, I i feel is uh, a topic that we've stayed away from out of fear of spoilers, uh, but it's it's character death in the Dresden Files, uh, which it can be a really really tough one. Um, uh, there there are several minor characters that have died of the series. In some cases, there are um, some uh, like. Or, uh, midweight characters, I suppose you could call them, uh, and even a few major characters uh, that died during different points of the series, which I'm sure we'll get to as we go through. Um, so, without giving any spoilers, with the entire cast of characters at our disposal, no matter whether we know if they die or not, um, the question today is which characters would we kill off, if we had to kill a character off and how would we like to see them go out um, Rob,
1: do you have do you have one to start with here? Um, yes and no Yes, actually there is no no, what am I saying, yes, yes I do, and that death that I want is Thomas and there's no real reason behind it, I just feel it would be a I don't know, it, it would just shake things up in the world of Dresden a bit more
0: okay, okay, um so Thomas wraith um so how do you see
1: him going out um i mean, this this kind of goes back to a fan theory we had for peace talks and battleground, i think, and yeah if it, if it wasn't like a bit of a speculative idea then it's it's a definitely a conversation I had with myself um and it was kind of like. He said no spoilers um I, I guess with thomas's situation in recent it's just, yeah books, just loose yeah like in, in recent books there was i can't even remember which book it was um book 11 maybe like he's a bit more on edge i suppose yeah um yeah. and i always kind of assumed that it, it was kind of building up to him having to go anyway um but I, I guess if he had to, I, I would have assumed that it would be a kind of like something bad would happen, and it would be a case of Dresden having to be like, I got a, you know, of mice and men him in the forest or the woods. Um, <laughs> and and he doesn't, he doesn't quite get round to doing it, doing that, but like Thomas ends up kind of redeeming, redeeming himself by like saving like an orphanage or something, um. And yeah, he gets like a bit of a hero's death. But I mean, after saying the Of Mice and Men death, I think that would be a good. Jesus, I don't want to say it would be a good death for Thomas, but I think that would be an interesting, unexpected turn as well. Yeah. I mean, um, more tragic, I suppose.
0: He. We learn later in in, uh, Blood Rites um, that he. About his battle with his vampirism um and i can see him and harry having a conversation at some point around the kind of if he ever lost that battle um maybe he needs to be put down mm. uh or something like that which would be interesting um so i uh, uh so uh, that's uh, that, that's a great choice i think and would definitely have massive implications for dresden um I think it would. I think it would seriously mess with Harry. Thomas is a close ally, incredibly close in the later books. Um, so yeah, uh, that'd be an interesting one. Um, so what
1: about, what about you? If you, I mean, this, this was your question this week, so I assume that you already had someone in mind.
0: I did, um, and it, it, I think I think Thomas. Is, would be a massive one, and this is kind of the other massive one that you could have, uh, which is Ebenezer.
1: Yeah, I was initially going to pick him, but I didn't really have any good reason other than he's old.
0: Something that I always think about um, in Game of Thrones, uh, something that I, I kind of felt like... Uh, I, on re-watching it particularly you could you could sort of tell who would be next to go by who was the one that was keeping the most order to things yeah. and was protecting the other characters from change um it's pretty, like some of the big ones were like uh when uh robert baratheon went like rob robert baratheon had to go to then continue uh, to start the chaos um Tywin Lannister is another one. He was keeping things very controlled within the Lannister household, so he had to go. Uh, Joffrey, to some degree, was creating a status quo, so he had to go. Same with Rob Stark. Um, Ebenezer is Harry's safety net, mm. particularly with the White Council. Definitely, um, like don't get me Wrong, like listens to Wind, uh, Martha Liberty. Those, they're. They're allies to Harry, but they're they are primarily allies to Ebenezer, which makes them allies to Harry. Um, I don't really see Harry ever going to listens to Wind and saying like defy the Council for me. Um, yeah, but Ebenezer uh, is Harry's protection, and particularly where we are recently in the series. It's just becoming, like, clearer and clearer that um, if Ebenezer was gone, Harry would be in mountains of trouble. So much trouble. Uh, (laughs) um, The White Council would be on him like a shot. Um, And I really think, uh, yeah, Ebenezer going out would make a lot of sense. As for how he would go out, um, I mean, man, it's gotta be a big, it's gotta be a big fight. Um, that being said, there is also something to like a almost like an Obi Wan peaceful
1: death. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, interestingly, we. we... I mentioned um, how the last couple of books in this series it felt like it was building up to maybe Thomas's death. You could arguably say the same with Ebenezer.
0: I certainly felt like it was possible at the end of Peace Talks.
1: Especially like you've got the Outsiders. He's got the Black Staff, which it it kind of describes it taking his toll on him whenever he uses it, and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. I I don't know. Um I think I think you you could go the you could go the whole way of like he protects Harry or gives Harry a chance or something like that. Um you could go a direction where like he gives the black stuff over to Harry and that means that he's not got enough power to draw upon to defend himself. Mm. Um and could do something with that. You could also just go with he is an older man and he overexerts himself and just yeah. doesn't know his own limits. Um, something like that. Um, We kind of had a... You could do something similar to what happened with Shiro where he knows he's on the clock sort of thing. Mm. Um, so that'd be interesting. Um, Can't really get into why but it would also be interesting if there was some sort of link between him dying to create more of a connection to Harry's mum,
1: That would be interesting.
0: Yeah. Cause I could, I could see him making that trade. Ooh. Um, but there you go. Uh, the other one that I thought, uh, if you really wanted to show someone was a horrendous, horrendous villain, um, kill Billy the werewolf.
1: Yeah, like I, I was gonna pick him as one of my choices, but I feel that would be like killing a small child. It's just not on. I think, it, it, like,
0: I could see them doing that with like Marcone or someone that they're building up. Yeah. Um. I mean, uh, like one thing that'd be really cool is if Harry went on like a huge, like never, never adventure sort of thing got taken away from Chicago um, for whatever reason. And then in the last chapter, he comes back and has all these messages from Billy being like, "I, there's someone after my family. I need your help. Harry, where are you? Um, and Harry just wasn't there. And then, the next thing that he finds out is that Billy died just because he was taken off the board.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Just because that would be a massive blow to Harry. Um, So that, yeah. Um, Characters that I don't really see going anywhere. Um, Butters. I don't think Butters is going to die anytime soon.
1: I'd Um, be very surprised if he did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. As, as divisive as he can be for the fans uh, uh, I think he's got long term plans um, I could see Bob the Skull going maybe
1: but yeah, I feel I mean, like is, he's played a smaller role lately as well so yeah um, but then I feel like if
0: Bob was going to go he'd have gone in Ghost Story Hmm. Because that was kind of his last. That was the one where he was the most at the forefront. I felt.
1: Yeah, definitely there.
0: Um, I, you you can't kill Michael.
1: <laughs> no, that again be like hurting a small animal.
0: Yeah. Um. There. There is a slight hint that it could have happened in. Uh. Battleground, and just even, like, it being hinted at, I was like, no, no, no. No, 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 no. That cannot really happen. Will think not. <laughs> we will riot! Um, I'm not sure I think there's anyone else. Um, yeah, I don't think... um I don't think Murphy's going anywhere. Um... Uh I'm trying to think who else. Um it'd be interesting if the archive was killed, but I feel like she's still got places to be and like a a a job in the in the meantime.
1: It would um, be interesting to see what would happen if uh Nicodemus died or was killed and what, what the ramifications ooh. of that would be.
0: That would be interesting. I, I also feel the same about Marcone to a degree. Because I kind of yeah. feel like if Marcone died, Chicago would just be
1: fucked. Oh, definitely. Absolutely.
0: Um, so either of them would be really interesting. Same with the fairy courts. If someone high in the fairy courts died. Yeah. Um, that would be.
1: Hmm. Has there been anything about that in the books that you can remember? Like if um, like Mab died, for example, would her power just move on to someone else?
0: My understanding is that the the lady would move up to be the mother, yeah, and then a new lady would be found. Fair enough. Um, which that the the state of the fairy courts, protect, particularly now in the series, that would make some really interesting situations. Um. so yeah I mean I think that's about it Um. oh the Merlin of the White Council
1: yeah I, w- I wanted um, to say him initially but I was like I just want him dead because I don't like him
0: yeah I don't know really what where that would go Um. I suppose if you wanted to go down the route of getting rid of the White Council or like yeah. if the outsiders want to Destroy the wizards, that would probably be a good way to go about it. Um, I don't see the gatekeeper going anywhere. Um, no, nah,
1: he's, he's too much of a badass,
0: he really, really is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Then that's 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 about it for like the inner circle of characters. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a subject we can honestly sit down and talk about for hours just about you know, the pot like the consequences of the character dying, like how they'd go out, but I mean that's not why people are here.
0: I think if the Merlin <laughs> died, I'd want to see some incredible magic.
1: Same, like Dumbledore versus Voldemort style, like
0: Yeah. Um That was something that always really annoyed me about the, the Harry Potter films, is that You've got all these people that can do awesome magic, and all they do is throw energy bolts
1: at each other. Yeah, I was a, I was a bit, I was a bit underwhelmed by that in the like films, especially when like they have a bit of a duel in Order of the Phoenix, and they've got like fucking suits of armor and statues coming to life and stuff.
0: Yeah, like just going from like D and D and stuff, where you've got like people like animating objects and. Um, like just, just creating like birds made out of fire to attack people and stuff, and like um pulling people apart with gravity and time and stuff, just to be like energy blast, energy blast
1: it's just like uh. I mean, I'm wondering if now nah, I was going to say I wonder if that boils down primarily to budget, but it's probably a combination of that and just getting the story out. Yeah. Um I mean it would look fucking great, but I think I it's
0: probably a debate of like what is it was it necessary? I guess it wasn't necessary, but there would be more spectacle in it I, I don't know. Yeah. Um Yeah. Okay. Uh I like that like the magic combat in Doctor Strange. I feel like that's better. Uh, I'll throw that one out. Um that's that's more in the right way um especially i freaking love that opening fight with the ancient one where she just starts playing around with the physics of the whole area
1: yeah that's pretty cool Um,
0: and all the all the buildings just start like turning in on themselves and like twisting and it's like yeah that's that's what a a high level uh, magician would do uh (laughs) um so yeah, if if uh, someone wanted to go and kill the Merlin, I'd want to see fucking um, Edinburgh Castle like transform into the Merlin and fight around him like a suit of armor or something like that. Oh man! Um, yeah, <laughs>
1: right. um, we'll, we'll make it happen.
0: We will. We will make it happen. <laughs> Fantastic. Cool. So that takes us uh, on to uh, our next segment, the one that everybody loves, the Dresden Files Book Club. Uh, Mine and Rob's vain attempt to uh, ramble, scramble through comic books, games, video games, uh, short stories, micro fiction, macro fiction, novels and everything in between uh in an attempt to um understand the genius of Jim Butcher uh and encapsulate everything we love about the Dresden Files, a fantastic magic realism series. We are currently working our way through
1: book number six
0: question mark?
1: Yeah, six, six is the one. Yeah. Unless- Unless it turns out I can't count, but I'm pretty sure it's six.
0: I feel like Summer Night was just like was just a few days ago. Um and that that's obviously four. But no, we had we had a whole book in between there. Um uh, so, uh that uh we are now at um blood rights, uh or as we say blood rights um and uh we are uh in our third installment uh and uh today we will be covering the previous four chapters uh that we covered which is five six seven and eight uh and then i will be handing over to rob uh to give us a recap of chapters 9 10 11 and 12 and then we'll be doing a little bit of discussion about what happened um all the kind of oh my god moments, all the moments where we get uh, cool new characters introduced or reintroduced or we learn something new, as well as doing a bit of literary criticism, talking about things you might want to keep an eye on for later in the series. There's a big one in this one. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of how we roll. Uh, so, without further ado, last time on The Dresden Files. Um. Harry, uh, after visiting uh, what was ostensibly a, uh, a a porn party,
1: I guess, um, yeah, that's a good of, way of describing it.
0: Yeah, of actors and actresses, uh, returns to his apartment uh, and checks in with his favorite spirit of intellect, Bob the Skull. Harry sends Bob out with Mr to look for the black court who tried to get the jump on him so that Harry can go on the offensive for once. He also makes a makeshift bed for the new puppy that he found at the start of the story. Bob drops a pile of expedition on the white court, as well as Arturo Genosa, who Bob sees as a sort of visionary in the skin flick industry. (coughs) Um, Harry learns a bit more about how they feed and the mechanics of the white court. Um, He learns that um, anyone that the white court kind of gets close to uh, or or romantically uh, involved with, they are eventually going to feed and kill those people, uh, driving them mad uh, as their life essence essentially is sapped away. That takes us to chapter six. Uh, Harry bonds with the puppy. Uh, Meanwhile, he plans to make a move against the Black Court. He makes two calls, puts the puppy in his pocket and heads out. Uh, He first goes to a martial arts dojo. And we catch up with Karen Murphy, who is sparring with some of Chicago's finest. She's actually fighting with uh, a new uh, young uh, male cop on the force who's like, I ain't taking no orders from no woman. Um, and she's like, all right, you pick whichever one of the cops you want on your side. I'll take both of you on and put you down in the dirt. And she does with ease, with absolute ease. Harry um, asked for help taking down Marvra and the Black Court uh, that are in town. Uh, Being a big fan of justice, uh, she agrees. We also hear that Murph has a family reunion coming up. Uh, In Summer Night, we found out that her first husband passed away. Uh, And she also has a second ex-husband that we don't really know much about. Uh, But basically, we get the vibe that family reunions aren't a great time for Murph. uh, And she's not wanting to attend whatsoever. Uh, Harry leaves his uh, puppy uh, with Murphy and heads off to the movie set. That takes to Chapter 7. At the movie set, Harry meets the easygoing Jake and the local meathead Chad, Bobby, who squares up to Harry. Um, it's quite funny, actually. Uh, he, Harry says that he's a stunt double. Um, and Bobby unfortunately has had some problems performing on set and so in those cases in the industry they use a stunt double um, who performs on behalf of the actor and bobby's like hey you're taking my job um and harry's like no 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 and and bobby's like it was one time man one time um uh, luckily jake uh, the easygoing uh, kind of actor uh, diffuses the situation, calms everyone right down. Uh, they then enter the building. Harry meets up with Joan Dallas, who admits uh, it's doing all the real work as a producer, etc. She basically says, like, you're going to be following me. Um, just kind of uh, pitch in where you can. Um, she also warns Harry about the star of the film, Trixie Dixon, Arturo's Third ex-wife. Harry then senses some bad mojo messing with my mojo. Um, my mojo. A very powerful my mojo. I've lost my mojo. Um, a very powerful entropy curse. Harry rushes to the dressing rooms as a woman starts to scream that takes us to chapter 8 entering the dressing room Harry finds two people lying in a pool of blood and water with a live current running through it Harry's wizardness cuts the electricity in a kind of um, techno whammy that wizards can employ Uh, one of the victims Jake recovers but the other Giselle isn't breathing Harry and Jake do CPR while Joan calls the paramedics after some house, um, some house medical bullshit, I love that. Um, Harry notices that uh, Giselle's skin is red, almost burnt. He then deduces that the water in the shower must have turned scalding. The power of an entropy curse,
1: and that is where we finished last time. Over to you, Rob. Yeah, so chapter nine, uh, they, they wheel off Giselle, which makes her sound like a prop on the set. But um, now the ambulances come and they take her away. Um, and before everyone leaves the set, Harry meets another one of the actresses, Emma. Um, I don't think we get much about her. We just know that she has two children. Um, yeah, um, in any case... Everyone leaves the set and Harry tries to work out what's going on. Um and he thinks it must be someone with a very powerful emotional motive. Um and I think also in within this he works out the entropy curse wasn't going after Arturo. So Yeah, it clearly yeah. went past loads of people to specifically attack Giselle. Um Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I guess what we know at the moment is it's going after women involved in the film. So make of that what you will, my friends.
0: Harry does his whole, like, um, gallant knight bullshit where he's like,
1: I wouldn't have minded, but it's going after the women. <laughs> this time it's personal. <laughs> because but... females. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that's a thing. Um yeah he he goes back or makes his way back to his office um and as he gets there he feels a gun against his back and he's told by a gruff gruff voice to go into his office and sit down yeah chapter 10 <sighs> harry sits down in his office and a bag is put over his head and he he feels like he feels like oh, I can't remember what it's called. Like it's it's similar to the whole magic circle thing, where the idea is it's like it's preventing him from using his magic. Um, yeah, I cannot for the life of me remember what he referred to it as fucking magic circle. What's wrong with me? Um, <laughs> sorry.
0: He <laughs> um, just
1: feels like a, a
0: well. It's not so much a gathering of power as like a leaving of power. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the point of it is that he can't use any of his magic. Which is fair enough. Um, And yeah, when when the bag's removed, he is face to face with none other than Kincaid. Jared Um. Kincaid. Um, Yeah, Kincaid makes it very clear that he doesn't trust Harry, um, but is happy to, you know, do whatever weird ass job that he has called him for I guess um, yeah he's basically like if you can pay my fee then it's it's fine yeah and I mean Harry gives him the rundown like the black courts in town um, he wants to go against Mavra and try and take out as many of them as possible um, yeah Kincaid has he has a few conditions um, I don't think we've written them down because I can't remember what they are which is helpful
0: he, he kind of asks Dresden, like, "Are you okay with the fact that, like, you don't really seem to be able to trust me?" Um, it's it's oh, mostly it.
1: the conditions were another person going in with them because if one of them gets injured, then it takes one person to carry them out, the other person to provide cover fire.
0: Yeah, I, I do like that. That's very. It's a very Kincaid thing to say.
1: Yeah, that was very uh, sensible. <laughs> so good on him. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's I mean, there, there's an interesting conversation around this as well where Harry's trying to work out what Kincaid is because he doesn't believe that he's human and I found this very, because he uses the example of the Red Court attack in the previous book where like yeah. Kincaid's basically John wicking the shit out of everything Um. and the, the, the interesting line that well, I found really, I don't know, not, not funny, but humorous, I guess, is, uh, oh, you, you know, you you, you you like open fire and everything and didn't miss once. And Kincaid's retort to this is like, oh, why? Why would someone fire a gun if they're going to miss? Um, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, in, in any case, Kincaid is protesting that he is just a good old fashioned human. His final line on it is, I'm
0: as human as you are, Dresden. Which yeah,
1: I I feel I think... like that's a cheeky wink as well, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and if it's not, then I don't know what it is.
0: Do you have any speculation? Uh, we'll we'll get to it, actually it.
1: Yeah. Keep going. We'll get, keep going. Get to it later on. But um, yeah, I think I he he agrees to work with him and kind of states that if Harry can't pay him his uh sum salary, whatever mm. you want to call it then he'll kill Harry. Um, And another interesting conversation comes off the back of that, actually, which is Harry being like, oh, well, if you kill me, you realise that I have a death curse, which will probably kill you in the process. And Kincaid's like, oh, I know how to take out wizards. It's from a distance.
0: He definitely makes it sound like he's done it before.
1: Yeah, I would be very interested to know if he has, to be fair. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that, that's kind of the end of that chapter. It was, I don't know, it's, it's pretty fucking cool, to be honest. Partly because <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it was... Because we, we know that he made some phone calls earlier on in the book, and I can't remember if it was specified he was calling Kincaid. Yeah,
0: he's calling Kincaid and one other person who we get that into later.
1: It. Yeah, I couldn't remember if the book said that or if it was just me knowing already who it was. Mm. But, I mean, I... It, in in the weeks since we last picked up the chapters, I forgot about King Gader completely. I thought he was just going to appear and be like, yo, sup, let's do this, and then that would be it. Um, but yeah, chapter 11. Um, Harry tries to learn more about Genosa and his history, but is blocked by you know the fact that he doesn't have internet access. That's a bit of an issue when you're a wizard. So mm. he heads over to Murphy's to I guess, find out more. Um, And she's in a bad mood. Um, She's found out that the family gathering that she's uh, heading to, her her younger sister's going to be there with her new fiancé, which is her second husband. She doesn't know that yet. Fair enough. Bollock.
0: (laughs) She just knows that it's going to be all wedding-y and that um, her mum's going to be like,
1: why can't you make the men stay, dearie? <laughs> yeah, I mean, feel free to edit that out then. That was me just jumping ahead then. Ah, it's fine. Let them yeah, hear I mean, it. Yeah, we'll to it anyway. But um... We'll get to it. It's like next,
0: um, next <laughs> episode, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, pretend I didn't say that and just go with, uh, her her, lung, her younger sister's bringing her new fiance to the family reunion, which yeah Murphy is kind of annoyed about because like we said two two ex husbands it, it kind of makes her look like and I, know, I I know maybe she's a bit self conscious that she can't she's married to the job basically. Um, and yeah. I think it's also mentioned that her mother doesn't approve of her career choices as well, which yeah I guess adds to it. Um. But yeah, she. I mean, in any case, she agrees to join the vampire raiding party, whatever you want to call it, the Black Court Mafia. I don't know. We'll come up with a name for that. Some the vampire death squad, hit squad. It's here. Yeah. Whatever. Sure. Yeah. The Avengers. Um. Yeah, like <laughs> the, the, the the like she agrees to it purely for the sake of it, like to kind of try and get out of the gathering. But I think. She also then like kind of makes a deal with Harry that she'll go to this vampire death parade if like Oh wait, no, I think I'm jumping ahead a bit again, so I apologize, but what I said initially was correct. Like she is trying to get him to use it as an excuse for them not to be at the family gathering. Which Yeah. I think is fair enough, you know. Police work's important. Killing vampires—that's also important. Um, so uh, escaping your uh, your uh, family sometimes? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can relate. Um, yeah, I and we get a nice little bit here, which I think harkens back to summer night when, if you summer remember, in, if you, if you remember in summer night, she's um, she finds out that her first husband passed away. Um, oh, I think it was she was reading his obituary and that's how she found out and you know like harry kind of opens up to her then like oh i don't have a family basically um the person who adopted me tried to kill me blah 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 my first girlfriend tried to kill me yada yada and it's it's kind of reminiscent of that where he kind of gives this little speech of oh you know i i don't know what it's like to have a family um my, You know, my dad died of an aneurysm when I was a kid. Um, my mum, I can barely remember what she looks like or her voice and all this kind of stuff. And it kind of it softens Murphy up a bit or I guess guilts her because, you know, she doesn't appreciate that she has a family still. Yeah, when, when I first heard it, I was like, oh, OK, that's kind of sweet. And then the more I thought about it, I was like. It's kind of a guilt trap, really. It's like Yeah, I mean, like,
0: fair I'm enough. It's
1: like, it's like one of those things, isn't it, where it's like, um all examples have just left my head there. But I mean you're right, it is it is guilting her into it. And fair enough, like you're complaining about your family to some guy who, you know, like like we said, was adopted by a total maniac. Both his parents are dead and that's that's basically it. The closest thing he has to a family that he's aware of at this point is probably his cat. So yeah, I think if you're gonna bitch about your family, you you you're going to the wrong person. You know, it it is like talking to someone who's like lost a limb and just being like,
0: man, I've got the worst cramp.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> that. That is a good example. Um, <laughs> yeah, we we then roll into chapter twelve, and we return back to the porn set where Harry meets. Um, Inari, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah,
0: that's how James Masters pronounced it, and therefore, yeah, it's the way that it should be pronounced. <laughs> and
1: she, she, she's working a similar job to Harry. Like, uh, she's like the associate producer assistant, production assistant. Sorry, um, she's like and, one step down from him. Yeah, I couldn't remember which way around it was. I just, I know that she was in a similar role, and that's mm. basically all I remembered. Um yeah she takes him to a to a, can't even say his name now arturo genosa um and he kind of starts questioning harry whom harry quote, no harry questions him sorry i'm very tired um okay <laughs> and they they have a bit of a chinwag and yeah and we find out that arturo needs to finish this film within the next uh, 48 hours Otherwise, you know, his company goes bust and all this kind of thing. And, yeah, he's trying to break away from the industry uh, and all this kind of stuff. And then they're interrupted by the arrival of other than Trixie Vixen, Arturo's most recent ex-wife. And she's also not a very nice woman. And she <laughs> <laughs> she she is followed in by um another replace like a replacement actress and Inari's older sister, uh Lara Romani, I think she was introduced as. And yeah. <clears throat> and I think Harry instantly like goes a bit horny about it. And kind of deduces from that that she's a bit of a suck. she must be a succubus. Like, similar to Thomas Wraith, probably a white Court vampire and probably a Wraith herself. Um, yeah, and that- I think that's where we wrap up these chapters, which I quite enjoyed. Like, it, it felt like, um, the previous four chapters, it started to ramp up a bit. You know, the, the Entropy Curse, the, uh, hospitalisation of Giselle, and- Yeah, I feel like this is kind of typical Dresden fanfare at this point, where he's got to do some actual legwork. Yeah, it's like stuff
0: coming together.
1: Um,
0: This is a part that I really enjoy in a lot of Dresden Files, and and it sort of leaves the series towards the most recent books, where it's like the slice of life kind of stuff, mm. I guess. Um, but, uh, it's, it's really cool. Uh, there's lots of like fun characters. Jim is great at creating some like fun background characters. Um, like I really enjoy,
1: um, the, the porn crew are really yeah. fun. They're more um, fun than I expected them to be. Like, I mean, when I first read this, I don't know why I expected, I think just because they're, I think I expected all of them to be like Bobby.
0: Yeah, just like hotheads, I guess. Yeah,
1: hot-headed, arrogant, and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, and most of them are are a lot more like down-to-earth, I guess. And then you've got Trixie Vixen, who is not uh, in the slightest. (laughs) Um, Yeah, man, um, it's it's a fun couple of chapters. Uh, The stuff with Kincaid is a lot of good uh fun like um i i just before we, we like lose it actually i'll just jump back to the the kind of porn crew um one thing i did want to bring up and i kind of brought it up during your recap was that harry goes off and on one again about the fact that women are being targeted and yeah. that, that that really like grinds his gears um what's your thoughts on that i guess like do you I think mean, it's problematic or do you think
1: it's just shows something about harry or i don't know i mean i don't think i mean there's a lot of criticism for dresden files with you know how 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 he is towards women which is the whole chivalry kind of thing which i mean i don't see a problem with it myself and i can kind of understand why people might be put off by it but it's i don't think it's a reflection of jim Butcher himself i think it is just how harry dresden is um but also i don't know like i think it is a bit over the top like i think in situations like this where where he's like um oh, because he's targeting women it now makes it my problem, like yeah. I think that is. I, I wouldn't calling it a problem is a bit of a stretch, but I do see the issue with it. Like it, like it shouldn't make a difference who the entropy curse is targeting. He should still give like a shit basically. Um, but oh, I don't know. It's it's a it's a tricky one to dance around because I like I say I know that people or some people aren't on board with that, but yeah. I think it's it is a tough one. Um it
0: I mean there is there is an aspect to this as well that like the the skeleton for Harry Dresden was designed at a different time. Yeah. Um uh, I mean the nineties was a different time to now. Um but um I think the um i think it was designed to be a character flaw of harry yeah
1: i mean that... if if you look at um just hardboiled detectives anyway and like crime fiction 50 years ago and stuff like that like noir films noir fiction all that stuff that is kind of what the hardboiled detective is about it's always like oh uh, you know like i, I my fee is day. normally my fee is normally like 2 grand an hour but for a pretty face like yours, I'll do it for free, and it, yeah. it's 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 kind of that trope, I suppose, and I I think it was kind of more of a modernization of that, where he's still got those kind of values of the hard boiled detective from like the nineteen thirties kind of thing, but the difference here is that, I mean, especially later in the series as well, like he'll. Something will happen to Murphy, like she'll she'll stub her toe on the bed frame, and he'll be like, "It's time to take this bed frame downtown," and and she's like, "Shut up, I can deal with it myself." Yeah, and and um, you do also
0: see in in later books more and more Harry
1: respecting that women can do,
0: yeah, can handle themselves,
1: and I, I think that's kind of where. Because I think if you if you come into the series reading um, Stormfront, you're just going to think, ugh, please. And you'll think the same yeah. thing with maybe like book two and book three, with that attitude. But I think, especially on a reread, when you know where the series is going, you know how he develops as a character, how things change and all that kind of stuff. You kind of... I know, I I mean... I can't even remember if it bothered me the first time round, but like I say now, I view it as a kind of it is that kind of harkening back to detectives of the past. Um, yeah, I I think there's also like a bit of psychology in that
0: Harry has not really had many role models in his life, yeah, um, and and hasn't really known that many women. Um, I mean, he's familiar
1: with pop culture as well. Like, he references Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, other stuff. And I think, again, it's kind of similar to that, where it's like, I know you've seen these characters and how they act towards women, so that's how you should act towards women, I guess. Um, And also, if you think that he was taken in by Ebenezer after Justin Dumont, who's, what, like a hundred and something years old? Maybe older. I can't remember, but yeah, I think Ebenezer's
0: like 120 or something.
1: Yeah, I mean you take that into consideration as well. Like you, you think of the era that uh, Ebenezer would have been born in. He's not exactly going to be. I don't know, Mr. Progressive. Yeah, like he's going to be <laughs> that kind of old timey. Like, yeah, you, know, you must respect women, and if someone, if you see a woman get slapped in the street, you beat the shit out of like whoever just slapped them. It's going to be that kind of. You know, women are fragile objects, I suppose. Kind of yeah. mindset.
0: Which is something that has only really changed in the last, uh, like, 30, 40. Yeah. And,
1: years. I mean, it, it, to, to Jim Butcher's credit, it, Harry Dresden does get called out on it a lot. So.
0: He really does. So it's not like the whole universe is, is chauvinistic.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel. Really, it's a, it's a character trait that it worked in Stormfront for the sake of the story. Like the the woman calls him up and he's like, oh, this, and he's like, oh, because you're a woman, yeah, sure. Um, you know, he, he kind of takes it upon himself to solve this case because the woman's upset and all that kind of thing. The woman's in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like, and there probably would have been other ways of dealing with that for the sake of the story and plot that didn't need that trope but again you f- you think genre and all that kind of stuff blah 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 but whereas i feel if if you jumped into the story with the client being a male character or any of the characters from any of the other books then that there probably wouldn't have been a need for that character trait yeah
0: no definitely uh so i i, I think that pretty much sums it up to be honest um it, it don't get me wrong; it is a viable criticism of the work. Yeah. Um, but I, I kind of think that there is there is more nuance to it, and Jim has put more nuance into it than just Dresden is sexist.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, and I, I, I think that the. It, too often, especially on like the likes of Reddit and stuff, I just see the conversation being, "No, no, no, he, he it's just sexist." Let's move on. Yeah, um, where I, th- I feel like there's more to kind of explore there, and, and, and we kind of have as, as we did. Um, so moving on to to chapter ten, um, Kinkade and his approach to dealing with wizards. Um, something I love in anything with. Either superpowers or magic or whatever—the um, kind of everyman who finds a way to level the playing field. I mean, that, that's what we kind of love about like Batman and Iron Man, right? Is that they're they're normal people who, through the use of extreme wealth, are able to level the playing field with those who are superpowered. Um, and King is in that category to some degree as well. He. Uses tactics, military training, uh, and um, a lot of intelligence and cunning uh, to level the playing field. Supposedly, because he's a normal guy, whether that's true or not, who knows? Mm. Um, so, what what did you think about him in that
1: in that situation? I I liked the whole chapter with Kincaid, to be honest, They're especially establishing that the two don't really trust each other either was a really good yeah. move. Um, and I think I said it in the, watch it as I was reading the summary, but I was particularly keen of the whole thing of, um, it's made very clear that he could take out Dresden. And I think the comment as well of, like, oh, I know how to deal with wizards, it's with like a high-pressure sniper rifle from, like, a thousand yards away. I mean, like like, like we kind of said, it imp- implies that maybe he's done it before. And, yeah.
0: Harry even says that, like, the wizards of the White Counts are incredibly powerful, but they don't really keep up to date with mortal arms. No, it's um... like,
1: I, it always makes me think of um season two of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where, like, they... Like Spike, Angel, and Drusilla resurrect this big ass demon thing. And it's like walking around causing havoc, being like, Oh, no mortal man can like kill me, no no weapon made by man can harm me. And like Buffy just whips out a fucking bazooka and was like, That was then, this is now and blows it to smithereens. <laughs> like it's it's very it's very like that I feel sometimes. Just just in that in that
0: vein as well my favourite episode of Buffy of the Vampire Slayer, I think ever, is um, the graduation. Yeah. Um, where every student in the school whips out freaking machine guns and flamethrowers against that, like, in- against the huge principal. Yeah. Like, monster. Oh, love it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean... Perfect, like um, high school fantasy of everyone uh, on the last day of school, everyone gets to murder the principal.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, baby.
0: Um, so yeah, um, I think Kincaid uh uses every edge he he has, and it really shows the sort of person he is. Um, and I think that that, that also comes into play with how human he is. Mm. um it, he's keeping that back in case like it's a it's a kind of secret um ace a, a, ace in his hand to draw upon um whatever else he he's got if like if Dresden suddenly started fighting with him king could pull out a whole new suite of abilities that dresden wouldn't have time to prepare for yeah um so it, it it's very smart. Um it also makes me think of um Jim Butcher's uh Spider Man book,
1: The Darkest Hour. I still need to check it out, to be honest.
0: Um we've linked to it a few times. Um but um in the book uh there's a point where Spider Man and Rhino are talking. Yeah. Um that's really interesting uh darkest hours um where spider-man realizes that rhino is uh, is more intelligent than anyone thinks because everyone thinks that he's just this kind of meathead um and the reason why everyone thinks that and rhino keeps that up is so that he's got this little backup to draw upon of being a little smarter than people credit him for um and I feel like Kincaid's doing a bit of that, like, playing dumb about his magical abilities, whatever they may be. Do you have any theories?
1: Not really. I think... I'm sure I know what, like, it is, but I also can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've been told, have we? Yeah. Uh, not, definitely not yet. Um I'm sure we find out though, because I'm just trying to think. What was the question again? That might jog my memory. It gives me time to think as well.
0: Uh, what What is Kincaid? And we have found a little bit out about it. I found. I'm trying to. I'm. I
1: can't. I'm sure it is this book, but we do find out. Like we find out who the third person is. Harry called. And when they meet Kincaid, I'm sure he kicks. He, they, they're not a he. Uh, they, they kick off being like, oh, they're uh, something. So I think I think I know, but it might be bullshit. I might have just imagined the entire scenario. But I want to say it like similar to um, Goodman Gray in future books, where he's like half something. It's a similar thing to that, but not yeah. quite.
0: From just a quick Google, um, it's kind of alluded to that he's, he's a half something, and we'll we'll get into that. But I remember at the time of um uh, the first time I read this, I thought he might be a Denarian. Um, yeah. Like one of the ones playing a bit more tactically, but still a Denarian. Um which would have also been interesting, I suppose. Um, but I'm glad that it, it's actually something else because he's another quite prominent character in the series. Yeah. Um, so it's a good way to get another type of person involved. Um, cool. So uh, moving along, we've only got a couple of little points left to cover. Uh, so I just loved, for the first time, really, we see Harry coming up against the internet as a major problem uh in this book uh he's trying to learn more about Genosa and he can't find anything out because everything's online and of course, wizards don't deal well with technology um so I'm glad that Jim acknowledges it um and it it's really interesting because it does give mortals at first it seems like it's a kind of cool thing to have the ability to like shut down electronics uh and like like he mean he saves lives with it uh he shuts down like those that those electrics and maybe share, uh save Giselle's life um but it, like is sitting here in twenty twenty one um with the amount of technology that are that surrounds our lives um it would be almost, it would be so hard to live as Dresden
1: now yeah it never I mean, like it it's quite interesting because I suppose for Dresden. Being in 2020 wouldn't make a blind bit of difference. Like, I, guess, just carrying yeah. but, I mean, if, if you woke up tomorrow, for example, and you're a wizard, then basically, like, what, over half of the items in your house just become useless? Yeah. More than that, maybe? Yeah. And it, it's the same for, I, I imagine, most people. Like, Christ, yeah. Um, I mean, in, in a way, it'd be quite nice, but I think it'd be one of those things that's like, oh, I finally have a day away from it all, and then the next day you're just like going insane. I need my Facebook injected into my veins. It'd be a bit awkward, wouldn't it, showing up for a new job and they're like, oh, uh, we need you to. Oh man, imagine being like a wizard, and you're like you're working in IT as well. <laughs> It just turns out you're a wizard who isn't good at anything else apart from fixing computers. That would suck. (laughs) Like, you just have to be very careful at all times. (laughs) You'd have to, like,
0: rig up some sort of uh, long-range, like, litter pickers.
1: I feel like there could Um... be a story there, though. Maybe a bit more of a serious one where there's, like, a white council member who, like, permanently has concentration maxed up to 20 to focus on a spell to stop him from wrecking the IT department of, like, a modern company.
0: <laughs> I would also just like to see, like, during a fight, someone, like, throw Dresden through um, an office block and just, like, all the computers just go down. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. Um, yeah, so, I, but it's just a cool thing that, like, it um, it comes up a few times in the series from this point, where the internet's becoming a bigger and bigger factor in, yeah,
1: in information gathering. If if I think this book came out in two thousand four, um, I mean I don't remember anything before two thousand six, so, mm-hmm. but I mean my my memory of at least two thousand six was you know iPods, um, down I mean legally downloading music. Through yeah. iTunes, um, what is the Napster? <laughs> uh, I- Xbox Live was a thing, so yeah, sort of wasn't very good. But Facebook was coming into being, or yeah, was it? MSN? I mean, it, it was kind of the start of social media in terms of like MySpace, Bebo, if you remember that, um, and stuff like that. I think Facebook had, I think Facebook existed in its earliest. Form where it was exclusive for whatever university Zuckerberg was at, um, but yeah, and it was invite only if I remember right at that point. Mm. But I mean, y- yeah, you, you you take that into consideration. 2004, I mean, 2004 probably still had iPods. But I mean, even outside of stuff like internet, you've got like microwaves and yeah, you know, all all the other TV sets and shit like that, um. <laughs> like Medical the big equipment
0: the big thing they put like a lot of weight on in dress the fast series is like the more complicated it is the easier it breaks so like you're moving yeah. away from like CRT monitors and TVs to like plasma screens stuff like that um which I'm sure break much easier definitely um it's it's interesting man it it is really really interesting um and it's something that we like i say we see we see more age in the series um we also see very very recently in the series that some magical folk have found ways around it um mm. the um oh the 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 Shrevneblin, is that what they are uh, uh, the, the dwarves, but they're not called dwarves
1: oh i know I know who you mean yeah. Svartels. Spartel, That's the one, thank you.
0: Yeah, uh, the Svartelves have found, have found a way to insulate against magic in technology, and they, they've created things like air conditioning units and stuff. Um, so, like, it is something that, like, magic... I almost see it as, like, magic has to catch up to it. Um, mm. So, I think, like, if, if there was a, a series after the Dresden Files that kept going on, we might see stuff like magically imbued tvs or magically imbued uh phones and stuff that could be very interesting um so uh murphy and family problems we kind of talked about um it's it's all kind of building up we're going to get some more on that very very soon uh and it's funny because it's like um it's it's a bit of like murphy's kryptonite almost it's yeah. like a real weak spot for her um one thing I, yeah we, we well we talked about harry kind of um how he he was not the right person to talk to about it whatsoever um so then that takes us to uh Trixie vixen and lara wraith and what i love about these two is that we're told about how beautiful Trixie vixen is and then the way that, that uh, Jim describes it is that like Trixie Vixen is an, a, an image of a beautiful woman put together through plastic surgery, makeup, um, like various chopped and changed bits of a woman. Um, Lara Wraith is the real deal and the original picture that that woman was trying to obtain. Mm. Um And, um, I get that, like, um, there, there's like a difference between like fake beauty and real beauty. Um, it's, um, it's, I, I like the way that like, Jim has a really good handle on how people in different social circles deal with like power dynamics. Um, there's a, like you, you get immediately Trixie feels threatened by Lara. She hates her uh like normally Trixie would be top of the totem pole and is forced down with Lara being around um it's a great introduction for Lara cuz she just comes in very like yeah like what's her problem mm. um which is it's that whole like cool grace sort of deal um like she doesn't need to try to be on top she just is um, which is it? You just like learn everything you need to learn about that character in that moment, I guess. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you want to throw in on her?
1: Um, not really. Like, um, as far as both both for Trixie and Lara Rafe, um, I don't really have much to say at the moment. Fair enough. Um, if you were going to cast them, oh. I I feel like Margaret Robbie would do a really good Trixie. I mean, yeah, the tri- Trixie was the one that I'd have more trouble with. I had a really good one for Lara Rafe fairly recently, yep. but now I can't remember who it is. Someone like... I mean, she might be a bit old for it now, but she'd also make a really good map now that I think about it. Um, Eva Green?
0: Yeah. Eva Green would be a good pick. Um...
1: Yeah. Have you seen House? Yeah. 13? Uh, oh, yeah. I can't remember the actress's name. Olivia something. Yeah. Um,
0: I'm going to find out who that is so that our, our friends um, and listeners can know. Olivia um, Wilde? I think. Yes, Olivia Wilde. Um, mm. I, I always... Kind of picture her as Lara uh, in my head. Fair enough. Um, but there are, there's a lot of. Um, Hollywood is never short of attractive females. <laughs> no, it is not. Um, so I'm sure that they could find um, many, many good actresses for both roles. Um, I like yeah. man, like um, I I I don't mind that in any sort of uh, derogatory way either. I'm just saying that there there's a lot of if attractiveness is is the main quality that they're looking for, there are a lot of actresses that could fill that bill. I think what mm-hmm. you would need with Trixie Vixen is you want someone who can act quite superficial, which yeah. that's why my my immediate thought was Margot Robbie for that. Um just cause like um, uh, a long time ago in Hollywood, uh, particularly she was really good in that uh, with that sort of uh, like way of acting Wolf of Wall Street. Again, she was quite good at being like quite superficial. Yeah. Um, and then um, when it comes to Lara, you just need someone who is a kind of alpha woman, I guess. Yeah. Um, that kind of like assertive Um which is why I I I think of Olivia Wilde because that's kind of the character she plays in House, um, but I'm sure there's there's a lot of other women that uh, would be good fits for it. Um, yeah, um, so I think that that about uh, brings us up where quite a quite a long episode for us actually. There was there was a good bit to dig into here, um,
1: yeah. and we rambled quite a lot. I feel, but that's not a bad thing. I like rambling. Sometimes it's nice. Oh, the fans love the ramble. They love it. Ramble and Bramble. Some new names. Yeah, man. I don't know who's um, who. But... I'll, I'll take Bramble. Cool, I'll take Ramble then. Good stuff. Uh, do you want to uh, finish it up? Uh, yeah. As As usual, thank you for all the support. We're scraping about 5,800 downloads. Just a bit more, just a bit, yeah. Um, mm. uh, Check out our Patreon for the obvious reasons. You'll get episodes early. There's a couple of different tiers there, which are worth checking out, and all of them are, you know, less than a cup of coffee. So, yeah, have have a little nosy. We'll be doing some content for that soon. And, yeah, as always, uh, share, follow, subscribe, social medias. Next week, we'll be checking out chapters 13, 14, 15, 16 of... I can't remember how you say it. Blood rights.
0: There you go. You want want it to feel like there's a drop of
1: blood building up on your lip and it just falls onto like a hot stove. I'll practice. I mean, my alternative to that was, I was thinking last time we recorded of just getting like a jug of water and just dropping some of it into a bath. But I don't know how well that will come out on recording. But um, yeah, (laughs) uh, those are the chapters we'll be doing next week. And, yeah, thank you so much. You've been listening to the Paranet Podcast with your hosts, me, Rob Davis, and... Bramble. Oh, shit, yeah. You've been listening to the the Paranet Podcast with Bramble and Bramble. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.